welcome to Wrestling and Everything Coast to Coast with your host, Buddy Sotelo Esquire and Evan Ginsberg. Evan, would you like to introduce our guest for tonight? Absolutely. His name is Steve Savage. He's a veteran wrestler, debuted for NWA New England in 2001. In 2011, opened Grindhouse Championship Wrestling, later became an NWA affiliate, and he's still out there. He's my friend Steve Savage. How are you tonight, Steve? I'm doing good, Evan. I'm doing, uh, well, as good as we can, you know? There you go. There you go. And so, I see you have a Red Sox uh, jersey on. Uh, buddy Sotelo's a big sports fan. What do you think of the Red Sox, buddy? Uh, look, it's got to be the San Francisco Giants. Or nobody, pal. So, <laughs> yes. you know, I, hopefully maybe we'll see you guys in the World Series. That would be a pretty exciting World Series. It'd be interesting to see the Red Sox in the World Series, period. Well, they've had their ups and downs of recent. You guys certainly don't lack titles for, for <laughs> all your efforts. You guys were the, the, the sad sacks and the, and the near Chicago Cubs for so many years. And then when you guys broke that mold, you know, you were winning titles hand over fist for quite a while there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, have you lived in Boston your entire life? Uh, I, I actually live in Rhode Island. Uh, I, just, okay. I, I call myself the Boston badass because outside of the Northeast, if I say I'm from one socket, Rhode Island, people just kind of look at you like, eh? Yeah, yeah. So geographically, it just makes more sense. Well, I think those of us who watch Family Guy have a much greater appreciation yeah. For that part of the country now. And there, there actually is a bar called the Drunken Clam. Oh, really? There, there is. I, I don't remember what town it's in, but uh, last I knew it was for sale. Have you always, but you grew up in that, in that part of the country? Yeah. Yeah, I've been in the Northeast my whole life. Okay. So tell me how you got started with wrestling overall. Uh, well, to be honest, I, uh, I took the old school back door method of, uh, you know, shut your mouth, respect the veterans, and help out and pray for the best. Uh, when I started with NWA New England, it was kind of, not to talk overly negatively, but it was kind of improper training. I was basically just their bump guy to put their stars over. But how did you even get a hold of NWA in New England to start uh, with? I had a friend who was working for RF Video at the time at a little kiosk they had set up at a mall. And uh, through him, got started doing like commentary and wrestling for him. And the school was the the NWA New England school run by Jason Rumble was about ten minutes down the road from where I lived at the time. So I just kind of showed up, took some bumps, and they just what kept using me really, until they closed. Well, what got you to really love wrestling? Where did you Where did you first develop your your love uh, of wrestling? Just years of watching it between the early Eastern Championship wrestling stuff when it was in syndication, like 92, 93. Uh, and then, like, obviously, the mainstream golden era, attitude era stuff just kind of brought me into it. And it, I don't know, I, I just, I've always enjoyed it. But were there certain stars when you were growing up that you saw wrestle that made you want to be like them and you tried to borrow your character parts of who you've been in the ring uh, well lately it's been more of uh like the past 10 years it's been more of a, evolved into like a new jack type but uh growing up i was I looking heard there's at, like, an opening i heard there's yeah. an opening. Yes. 
a friend of mine called me Cracker Jack, and I'm like, don't let him ever hear you call me that. Yes. Um, I, I grew up, I always loved the heels. I was into the Million Dollar Man, IRS, uh, Jake Roberts, just the, the cold calculated types. So, Evan, I'm sure you have a few questions. Yeah, um, we always talk about the indies because Buddy was a heel manager and I've been involved in various capacities as well. And what's your take on the pluses and minuses of indies in 2021? I could do, I could do my 30-second spiel. You don't need 14 matches. You don't need a six-hour card. You don't, no, absolutely not. you don't need ticket sellers. But what's your take on everything? Uh, well, my take on it is wrestling's like ice cream. There's different flavors of it for everybody. Some people live and die by tradition, by the, if you throw them over the top rope, you're disqualified. Some people live by the deathmatch standard. It all depends on what you like as a fan. I always try to tell people there's more than what you see on cable, television, or even the YouTube shows like AEW and NWA Power, but th they say there's no good wrestling. It's kind of like saying there's no good music. There, There is good wrestling out there. There's just, quite frankly, a lot of shit you got to dig through. Absolutely. Um, I tell people all the time that um, when, when people make these comments, there's been no good wrestling since the territories. None. How narrow-minded and absurd that is. I mean, you know, I look at um, Kenny Omega and Okada, like Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair, and people go, oh, they're just spot monkeys. And I'm like, what are you Might what are you? be, but they're still making more money than the guys that are complaining about them. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll sit in an indie card, and again, it's unfortunate that many of them are endless. They don't need to be four, five, six hours. But during that card... Inevitably, you watch some kid or some veteran who, for whatever reason, just wasn't picked up by a major organization, and you go, that guy's excellent. This match is excellent. Um, and many times, I'll tell you a quick story. I was, on a I was at a card years ago, and there's Bray Wyatt wrestling his last indie match, and they're all saying goodbye to him. He was just signed by WWE. And I'm watching the match. I'm like, this this guy's great, you know. And um, you never know what you're going to see. And and my other my other spiel that I tell people is, for tw 10, 15, 20 bucks, with the exception of maybe free concerts, there's no better entertainment value. I, I mean, uh, you know, you, you can't even get into a concert for less than thirty bucks these days, and that's just the parking lot. Yeah, I mean, uh, to take a family and kids where they can meet the wrestlers, take pictures with them, you know, and, and really be part of it. You know, I, I, I used to take my best friend's nephew and his little buddies to go to Ring of Honor and to go to Indies. We never took them to yep. WWE. They loved I, it. I saw one WWF house show when I was, I think, seven or eight, and, like, this is how far back it was. One of the matches was Bam Bam versus Tatanka. Right, right. 90s. But then I started going out to, like, the indie shows and Killer 
Kowalski had his promotion that he was running. I think it was Chaotic at the time. And uh, there, there was all these other companies. And then when I got in with RF Video, started going to a lot of the Ring of Honor shows. And I saw better stuff at Ring of Honor that I would see on a Monday night in over the course of six months. Uh, Brian Danielson against Nigel McGuinness was also, you know, like, like Dory Funk and Jack Briscoe. It, it was odd. It was odd. And, you know, Ring of Honor, again, they go, oh, they're, they're, they're midgets, they're spot monkeys. It's ridiculous. These are great, great wrestlers. And, and a chunk of them ended up in WWE, regardless of Absolutely. size. Yeah. The business evolves and... You know, you, you either evolve with it or, you know, you're going to be sitting at conventions or you're just going to be sitting there buying tickets. I just never quite understood the there's been no good wrestling since the 80s. That's a long time ago. It's an ignorant right. thing. To say. And there's been a lot of good wrestling since. You just got a look. lot of great wrestling since. I, you, you could watch uh, Wrestle Kingdom and in one night. You know, see uh, one great match after another for New Japan, and uh, you know, I, I just, I, I just don't understand the narrow-mindedness, and uh, you know, it's like, what, why you, you you're kind of like digging a grave, like it's over and done with, and it's not, it's not, and I, yeah. I, I, I love and support indies. A, a lot of the reasons these companies are, oh well, th this company sucks. Well. Why are they drawing as many fans as they can? It's because those fans don't realize there are other options out there. Now, They're did you find it? Did you, did you find it hard for your federation to get through the uh, COVID crisis? And how did you find a way to get through it? My, my promotion closed in 2014, 2015. We shut our doors. Uh, okay. the, the money just ran out. It, a typical. Uh, Tip, story, like sponsors and certain guys that egos just clashed and uh, my theory is guys that are on an indie show wondering why they're not booked well i booked you the, the past six months twice a month and you haven't done anything why am i gonna book you on what my biggest what's my biggest show of the year from a promoter's standpoint, like, I get it. You're a tag team and you're over with your, you know, friends and family that you bring with you that you sneak in through the back door and they don't yeah. buy tickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, you know, it's just business decision. And I, and I got to the point where I was running it by myself, doing the booking, doing the promoting, doing the flyering, doing oh, the God, ring crew by myself. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, you know what? I don't have it in me to do this. I'll... I, I've been around long enough to where I can still take bookings and have it not cost me anything to do. So it, it just became one of those, I'll just take the bookings I get and be happy. I was talking to a promoter the other day, and I said, you're better off with a crew of good wrestlers who heavily promote and cut promos and really work to put the company over than a bunch of great wrestlers who do nothing and draw mm -hmm. flies. Absolutely. I had a bunch of very talented guys, but they refused to do anything. We had booked uh, Jason Knight and uh, Hoss Canton, who was a journeyman who's been all around the world. 
And why is there an ECW original outside handing out flyers? Oh, because you schmucks had three weeks to hang flyers up and they sat on your desk. Uh, Oh, well, why didn't we draw 20 people? Well, why didn't you hang the 5,000 flyers that I left at your office? Flyers flyers have a 1% to 2% success rate. So the flyers alone should have drawn 50 to 100 people. But they don't draw anything if they're sitting on a desk. Yeah. The, uh, somebody, one of the old Yankee pro guys from like way back in the day, uh, told me something and it was, this business is about two things, pay-per-view buys and an ass every 18 inches or in these days, an ass every six feet, I suppose. But it, it makes sense because without the fans buying the tickets, what the hell are we doing it for? Yeah. Um, Today, with the technology, you could literally whip out a camera and cut a promo in five minutes. It's, it's mm-hmm. not like it's any great effort, you know. Uh, last week, um, my, my friend Simply Splendid, Bobby C., who I do oh, a little wow. managing with, um, we traveled almost three hours to have this beautiful locale, and we're like, this is Bobby's Island. This is Bobby's yacht, you know. But, you know, and the, and the guy, you know, he's not a kid. He has nothing to prove at this point. But uh, the kids, yeah, the kids who have the technology don't want to be bothered. Don't don't comment on Raw. Plug your matches. Mm-hmm. People always invite me to shows, and I said, am I booked? They said, no. I said, then why am I going to go? Why am I going to put my money in another promoter's pocket? The, they're not booking me. Why am I going to go buy a ticket? You know, I have I have no business to be there. To me, that's like supporting your competition. It's great to have a six-pack of abs, but if you can't throw us six people, <laughs> why do we need you on the card? It's, you know, I, 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 draw, I draw enough to keep me satisfied and to keep me working at the four or five, six promotions that I get booked at. It's... It's enough for me, because at this point, I've been around 20 years, and if I haven't been noticed by the big boys yet, I'm not going to be. I accept that that lot in life, but I still like doing it, and I appreciate the few hundred fans that I do have, because they're always going to be there. If I say I'm coming to your town, I know there's going to be at least 10, to 10 people in that audience that are there just because I said, hey, I'm showing up. What do you consider some career highlights? Have you worked with some legends, some great um, matches you've had? Honestly, career highlight for me was probably being welcomed into the business officially in like 2009. Uh, I'm so, uh, Tommy Cairo. Uh, he was great. I know Tommy. Yeah. yeah. I, I've worked with him a couple times. We've spoken on the phone repeatedly. He's become a very good friend and mentor to me. And the fact that, you know, a guy that I grew up watching on TV, I, I brought a kendo stick to a match that I was doing. And the kendo stick was kind of like my gimmick. And he signed it, the passing of the cane, Tommy Cairo. And I was like, you know what? That to me says I'm doing something right. Tommy's very underrated. He's such a great wrestler and great, great personality. Um, You know, I I saw many, many times in New York. I'd say about 15, 20 years ago. But the guy was tremendous, tremendous. Yeah. Oh, he's still got a hell of a mind for the business, too. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you about your uh, the Federation that you did run, Grindhouse, and what you uh, uh, where what 
inspired you to choose the name Grindhouse for uh, uh, Evan brings it up quite a bit that he was in the original Grindhouse theater. Forty Second Street, Times Square Grindhouse. Yeah. The the original idea came from watching hours of Tarantino and, and Rodriguez films. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I I actually got a letter from Tarantino said I know you're doing something completely different from what I'm doing. I just wanted to say I love your logo because we had a very similar font with like the bloody handprint above the house and. And it got to the point where I was like, I got, I started getting a little worried. I'm like, oh shit, I'm gonna have heat with Tarantino, and just as a theater major, that's something I don't want. So I just decided to change it to GCW. But then when we became an NWA affiliate, Fred Richards came in, and we were then called NWA Grindhouse. We were basically the hardcore promotion of the NWA. Now, how did you get that connection with the NWA? I'm fascinated about that. Um, at the time, I think it was. Bruce Tharp, Bruce Tharp that was in charge. Uh, Fred Richards was uh, also on the board. Um, I had run a very large three-promotion charity event uh, to make up for an incident that happened in Vermont or New York when the promoter ran off with the gate. Uh, so the promotion out in Long Island, SWA, and Phil Varlis's Coastal sent uh, a bunch of their guys down. I brought my guys in. And we put on the charity show for these guys, for, for this kid, Cole, who had like an undiagnosed condition. Unfortunately, Cole passed. He didn't live to see, I think, even 12. Um, but we raised over $10,000 that night for the family. Wow. So uh, Frankie Stars, who was there uh, with uh, La Parca USA and Haas Canton, said, look, we're going to put you in touch with Fred. And Fred was like, we'd like to invite you to become part of the National Wrestling Alliance. And to me, just as as a journeyman for as long as I've been, I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know what? To me, those three letters still mean something. Do you know that LaPaca USA was uh, Mambo King and uh, he just passed from COVID? Well, there was the the other La Parca USA. I think it's La Parca USA Junior, Rocky Badabino. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't yeah, know they were two. Oh, he he had me doing the La Parca USA the third gimmick as a tag team with him for a little while. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. I, I assume it's kind of like Doink. If you have the gear, it's okay. <laughs> and speaking of passing, I'd be remiss. Um, I want to dedicate this show to. Wrestling super fan John Thorne, who passed the other day, right. and also also New York area indie wrestler Crazy Don Rock, who I saw many many times, and uh, both passed this week. So I just wanted to acknowledge them. And um, yeah, it's been it's been a tough uh, year with COVID. Uh, lost a lot of you know wrestler friends and people in the business. And uh, what can you say? It's 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 been tough on everybody. It's it's sad anytime anyone goes, but when you see your fans starting to go, that's it hurts a little more. It hits a little different. Yeah, there's there's a much stronger connection with um, indie fans and indie wrestlers. You see the same faces, you get to know them. I've seen many many times indie fans go, um, you know. 
I want to buy another one of your T-shirts. I want to buy another picture because they want to support you. And uh, it's very different than sitting last row in an arena at a WWE show, which is totally impersonal. She hit me up on Facebook and she's like, oh, can I get one of your pictures? I said, oh, which one? And I showed her the four designs. She's like, I'll take one of each. I was like, really? All right. (laughs) Sure. So where where do you see your future? in professional wrestling you know right now uh as, as far as the future goes i think i'm, I'm gonna do it in ring as long as i still can and as long as people still want to see me but when it comes time to where i can't physically perform anymore i would love some sort of backstage gigs somewhere because just being around the environment despite all the um well all the bullshit attached to it um it's still just kind of a soothing environment for me. It's it's kind of like therapeutic for me, you know? It's as close as I'll ever be to a Hollywood stuntman. Let me just throw something in, though. Um, I've had friends work the indies who had 16 concussions, many, many different surgeries. You know, you have to know when to go. Because I've had wrestlers say to me, Evan, I'm always in pain. Always in pain. So, you know, the, there is that line that you don't want to cross, you know. Well, there's yeah, there, there's that line. I mean, I'm, cl- I'm closer to 40 than I am to 20, so. Have you had any big injuries from? Uh, I was diagnosed with CTE uh, about four years ago um, just due to being in the ring with people that didn't know how to work the proper way for certain things. Um, it, there's... There's ways to take a chair shot to where you don't have to kill each other. But these guys come from like that Balls Mahoney like mindset of like don't sell it unless you see white spots. And I'm like, you smack me in the head that much with a chair, and if I'm still standing, you better run. Yeah, wow. That's at at the rough. end of the day, we all got families to feed. I mean, I've, I've separated my shoulder a couple times, broke ribs a couple times. My uh, my knees are shot. The, car- the cartilage isn't there anymore. So, I mean, it's, which kind of helps because I don't like to run anyway. And I've certainly never been one of those spot monkey types. Like, I, I heard a guy in the crowd yell one time. I got on the top rope once, and he was like, you don't belong up there. I, like, I know. And then I dove off. Yeah, yeah. Well, Steve, plug anything you want to plug. Uh, let's see. Uh, August 21st, I'm going to be in Plattsburgh, New York for uh, Fight for a Cause Wrestling. Uh, I'm going to be working a hardcore match against the guy who calls himself Tim the Legend Lacey. Uh, he's going to have a special enforcer, and Barry Horowitz is actually going to be in my corner. Yeah, he's great. Wow. Say hi to Barry Horowitz for me. I worked a match against him in the year 2000. The one way he'll remember against Super Destroyer 2000 was the ref, he missed the spot call with the ref. And so what uh, we had a spinning toe hold that lasted for about 15 minutes. And and he probably will remember that. He probably will remember that. We were all like saying, come on, take it home, Barry, take it home. And he just, you know, he was playing the crowd and stuff like that. We're all just like, where is the, where is the cutoff for the end of this match? And it just never came. And so finally, you know, he small cradled him, but he small packaged him. 
But it was like, you know, we're all just like going, come on. And for a while, I was thinking, did I miss the damn spot? Oh, he was in the ring with Tom Caster, who is now a WWE referee, a full-time oh. referee in the WWE. So when you see Barry Horowitz, ask him to about the all-pro wrestling match that he did against Super Destroyer 2000, Mark Bison Smith, because that's, oh, that's where I, I worked that's, the show with. with uh, that's story, he's going to probably laugh his ass off. Yeah, well, he was great, though. He was a really... It was tough, though, because we were heels, and he wanted to be the heel. And we're like, okay, you always do right by outside talent, so you let the outside talent be the heel. But it cut. It was so awkward to try to be an, a heel manager with a known, fae, a known heel, and we're trying to play face against a guy who was obviously the fans' face favorite that was acting heel. And it was and like... There's no, there's not even a heel or face anymore in the business when you look oh, no, at. Oh no, we're talking two thousand. We're talking, you know. Oh yeah, back when it meant something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you know, it was one of those things that just was really weird, just trying to be a a a, a face when you're normally everybody in the arena sees you as a heel, and trying to put over, you know, Barry Horowitz as a heel when everybody wanted him to be face. And right. so, well, the crowd's going to dictate. You can say you're going to be the heel and I'm going to be the baby. But if we go out there and you get the pop and I get the heat, well, time to flip the script because that's what the crowd wants. Yes. But you always want to do right by outside talent, too. We all wanted to, you know, say, hey, Barry, if that's what you want, we'll, we'll, we'll do, we'll do, we'll be the faces here, you know. And so there's a crazy match. You'll have to ask him what his thoughts are. If he even remembers it, he's probably done. 10,000 matches since then. Oh, I'm sure we can find footage of it somewhere. Ah, yeah, if they haven't burned it. <clears throat> At least the last 15 minutes. Anyway, um, continue to, to promote your, your stuff, especially how fans can get a hold of you if they wanted to get a hold of you. Uh, yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter at BBASavage840. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Steve Lawrence. That's the, the shoot name. Uh, if you're on Evan's friends list, find me there. Um... And uh, let's see, it's August 21st, and I think October 26th, don't quote me on that exact date, but I'll be in uh, Newington, Connecticut for SGW. Well, that's if great. Anybody, uh, if anybody wants to buy a t-shirt, I have a Pro Wrestling Tees store. Uh, it's prowrestlingtees.com slash savage840. Okay, um, and any other final thoughts that you'd like to, before we bring in our next guest? Uh, you know, like about the future of where indie wrestling is headed. Honestly, my advice to the younger guys, don't just work for your home company. Don't just work for your buddies because you're not going to get any better wrestling for the same 10, 15 guys every week. And you're not going to get any better wrestling in the same town every week without going anywhere and experiencing anything different. Thank you. Well, you're a great guest. We'd love to have you on in the future, especially if you've got more to promote. And we're ready to bring in our next, next guest. You, so we'll Steve. see you, you again Steve. soon. Steve, thank you. Thanks for have a good All right. And joining us, joining us, Michael D. Jones, the founder and leader of the Real School Army, owner of NGW Green Room Media, and also a very strong MMA background. How are you, Michael? Coach Mike Jones, a coach with the most, coming at you from coast to coast, 
Don't want to boast, but I'm going to roast. So give a toast with the coach with the most. I'm doing great. There we go. That that was me on. Appreciate it. Great. No, perfect timing and everything. It's great to have you on our show tonight. So where are you? Where are we reaching you from? Where where are you located? I'm coming at you live from Puyallup, Washington. Oh, okay. Wow. So up up my coast. This time you're 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 on the left side of the of the dial because uh, uh, normally we got a lot of East Coast folks. So it's nice to have someone representing the Pacific Northwest for us. Yes, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. And I see your background behind you. Tell us about the Jim Rose Circus. What that? What's that about? Yeah, I toured with the Jim Rose Circus. I got to work with the Jake the Snake and Sin Bodhi and Jim Rose. Um, got to got to do a few shows in uh, Seattle, Kenwood, uh, Washington, um, Idaho, and uh, I didn't make it to the Portland one, but you know it was, it was fun. The ones I got to do was a blast. There's nothing like that. Uh, working with the uh, Sin, all those guys is just—it's unbelievable. And what's Jake Roberts like being on the road? Jake's a really good guy. Um, you know, of course, he's had his ups and downs, but uh, you know, where uh, he's cleaned up, he's recovered, he's came back from—seemed like come back from the dead. Yeah. You know. And, uh, I got to also wrestle him down there at Sin Bodhi's Freak Show Wrestling in California, where it was an honor to take his DDT and get the snake foot on me, which, you know, which, of course, I, I do not like snakes. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, w- I wonder what it's like for somebody that has like a real phobia of snakes to have that snake on you, because <laughs> that, that's a big boy. Yeah, I know, believe me, I, I'm pretty sure I have a phobia of snakes, but, you know, there was nothing I could do about it. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have traded it for nothing because, you know, it, it was my time. Look, I'd rather have the snake put on me than Rikishi's big butt stuck in my oh, face. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I had the opportunity to take that, and I, I fortunately passed on, on, okay. on this yeah, particular yeah. move. But um, can you tell me how you got started in professional wrestling? Well, uh, I've always been a fan of professional wrestling. And um, Don Owens' promotion in, in uh, Portland, when I was 18 years old, I called him up and I said, hey, Don, I want to come down and, and uh, I want to be a professional wrestler. I said, I see all these guys out here who, who uh, you have on your roster. I said, I think I can beat at least half these guys. And he, he only had one question for me. Did you go to college? I said, no. He hung up on me. Mm. So I was like, I was blown away. My dream was like uh, taken away from me. I knew my other options was I could go to Georgia and go to New York. But I was like, man, I'm fresh out of high school. And I grew up poor. I mean, I was like, I wasn't prepared to take that leap. So my dream was basically taken from me, basically, you know. And then about 10 years later, uh, Dave Debashi had a show going, and he had a fan challenge, which was basically called Playboy Buddy Rose's Fan Challenge. And I stood up at the show, and I said, I'm willing to do it. And you cannot believe what happened. 
I had no idea who the fan challenge was, okay? So I stood up, and out comes Big Red Wrecking Crew, six foot five, three hundred seventy-five. The Undertaker, World Football League football player, and I like went into shock. But instantly I said, "Okay, whatever it takes, I will, I will take you on." You know? Wow. And of course, obviously, you can't just jump in the ring. You have to be trained, or you're going to be killed. So what happened? A, well, a year. So. Now what happened in the ring when you went in the ring for the fan challenge? Well, they wouldn't let me in the ring. They wouldn't let me wrestle him because you got to be trained, and which is I'm fine with that because after about a year and a half of training, and I got to train with Big Red Wrecking Crew, and I was really grateful that he didn't actually kill me because, especially for telling him I was going to take him out and stuff, because I knew it was my only chance. So I. I just, you know, like I said, I was in shock for a second, but then instantly I just flipped the switch and I was like, okay, whatever it takes. But anyway, so a year and a half later, I got to debut against Northwest legend Billy Two Eagles in 1996. And uh, that was an experience. He's got some of the toughest chops in the, in the professional wrestling. I survived that match. After the match, uh, Billy Two Eagles told me, he goes, hey, brother. Don't you ever let anybody tell you you can't wrestle because he says I can. Wow. So tell me some of the other people that you worked with in, in, in the, the, the area. Snake, like I said, the five most wanted. Uh, I've got some of the best mentors in the world. I have Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan. I've wrestled him many times. He's the mentor of our real school army. And um the three mentors I have right now are uh, Stephen Bonner, UFC Hall of Famer, Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan, and uh, I have, I'm uh, working on writing my own book, and I have a uh, uh, best-selling author and uh, uh, best-selling publishing coach, Patrick Snow, who is signed. I signed up for a lifetime contract with him, which I started my book. And yeah, I basically wanted to do my mother's book. My mother had muscular dystrophy. She died when she was 34. When I was 18, my brother was 15. She was a, one of the best persons in the world and that I've ever met up until still. So I would basically want to do her story. But he, Patrick Snow, decided that I should do my story and have my mom's story in it. So, so that's what I'm doing right now is I'm working on my story. And then I got some uh, short stories that I'm going to try putting into some uh, film film festivals. I've got Danny Bonaducci accepted my challenge to avenge Johnny Fairplay because Johnny Fairplay was my manager before that Danny Bonaducci knocked his teeth out. Danny accepted my challenge since then has chickened out. So I'm calling him out in this 15 minute short film that Danny Bonaducci is scared of the coach the most. And I have all the all the footage ready. I just got to put it together. And then uh, I'm, I'm very proud of our real school army. We have some of the top wrestlers in the world that have wrestled, that have been in my uh, real school army. Cahagas, three-time world champion. Andrew Anderson, Wes Briscoe, Human Tornado. Uh, Andrea the Giant, um, 
Pinky San, Santino, um, Short Sleeve Samson. Um, this is, I'm, I'm starting to draw a brand blank for a minute. Uh, I think I think you should do a reality series just surrounded by some colorful characters with name value. You know, yes. I'm serious. When you start talking about Danny Bonaducci and Johnny Fairplay and Jake the Snake, you have a reality series there, and you're a colorful guy. I, I think you should look into that seriously. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, and I would love to have you produce some of our stuff. I mean, whatever I need to do. Like I said, I went I. I went out of my way to find Patrick Snow. He believes in me big time, okay? He says he's going to make me one of the top publishing coaches and uh, speaking coaches in the world. And not to mention, I had no idea when you write a book that that helps you get speaking engagements and coaching in, uh, jobs and stuff like that. And, hey, well, who better than the coach with the most? My name is the coach. Uh, you'd be a great motivational speaker. I mean, uh, you're a good talker. And then an another thing, I've been blessed, truly blessed. I still, till today, have no injuries. Okay? Wow. Wow. Not to mention, and I've been in construction my whole life, too. Most people in construction, by the time they're 40, their knees, their back are gone. Not to mention people in wrestling. And I'm well over 40. But I still feel... Young at heart. I feel 35, 30 years old at heart. Believe it. Well, wait until you get the 50s and the 60s. Then, then things start really slowing down. You'll, you'll, some of those things will come back. But hopefully you'll, you'll avoid anything really big. But, you know, I, when I think about, like, you know, when you talk about, like, the heart of wrestling, obviously New York is the, the, the first place that's brought up. I always like, especially one of the reasons why I made this show, was to represent California because a lot of people sort of gloss over what California has contributed to the history of wrestling. But, but the Northwest, like Portland and Washington and Seattle, I mean, Portland and Seattle have really had a great history. A lot of guys that worked the territories in California worked up in Portland, and I, I even had guys that were in some of the, the shows that I would work in, work a Saturday night in uh, uh, California, get in the car after working a show at like ends at like midnight, all get up and drive up to Portland and do shows in, in at Portland Pro um, the next day on in Sunday, Sunday afternoon at a flea market or something up there, you know, or yeah, yeah. festivals up there. And so it's always been, there's been, I think, a really strong relationship between California and and uh, the the other two main cities up in the Northwest. Do you want to comment on that? Yeah, you know, I mean, I've seen some of the top wrestlers in the world at Portland, uh, Portland Wrestling and in Seattle. I've seen Flair wrestle Billy Jack. I've seen him wrestle uh, Roddy Piper. I've seen him wrestle Sting in Seattle. Um, Piper had a huge history along with Buddy Rose. Those two fought some amazing feuds. People don't really remember Piper as much before he came to the NWA, but in in Portland he was a huge deal. Yeah, and then they used to wrestle in San Francisco and LA a lot, and that's not even the only places in, in California. Exactly. Yeah, I, grew up, I grew up on the LA tapings out in New York. We used to see Tolos, Greg Valentine, Hollywood Blondes, Godman and Goliath. I grew up on the LA territory just watching it on TV. 
you know, in my area. So um, great tradition, yeah. Yeah, with the real, with the original coach, right? John Tolos. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, you know, as I was saying, you're a great talker, and, and John Tolos was a great promo guy, and, and and they wouldn't let him talk. He's just blowing a whistle. They oh. wouldn't let him. That was ridiculous. Jeez, huh? Wow, he could he could have put a lot more butts in the seats, you know? Yeah, he. Was, I saw Tolos wrestle Bruno at the Garden. He was a huge name. People people don't really remember him as much as they should because there's not a lot of footage left. But um, he was great. He was he was an all time great heel. And do you borrow yeah. your, your what you do in the ring from what John Tolos did? Is that what part of what, what you what goes into your you know wrestling persona? No, uh, I really didn't even realize he was the coach. I mean, I knew about him, but he was a little before my time, and I didn't really realize he was the the coach until Johns and Coachman showed up. And, and now I sort of got upset about that. I'm like, what? They're calling this guy the coach. I've been the coach longer than him, but no, nah, maybe I haven't. His name's Coachman. So, <laughs> and then I was. Somebody told me, no, the actual coach goes back farther, John Tullos. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I'll go back to my reality. <laughs> so I asked my previous guest this, and I'll ask it to you. How has um, NGW survived the COVID period that we've gone through right now? We, we basically haven't done anything and don't have anything lined up because uh, – you know, it's really tough, you know, with, uh, ma'am, usually I've basically done most everything myself. And, uh, like back when I started, it was, it was really nice. I had the boys and girls clubs that allowed us to have, I had my home base at the boys and girls club that I grew up at. And I was a coach at, it was like a lifetime dream and a dream come true. You'd never guess what happened. All of a sudden, people from Canada come down, try to make it, try to uh, come into our territory, give half the wrestlers ultimatums. If you don't come with them, they're going to blackball you. And we didn't fail. We just kept growing, and we started to sell it out. Guess what happened? They, they bomb-threaded the Boys and Girls Club, so we couldn't wrestle there anymore. Bomb-threaded? Yes. actual... Like domestic like, terrorism. It up? No, they bomb bomb threaded it over the phone, you know, saying if there's going to be wrestling there, they're going to blow up the building. And wow. then, of course, guess wouldn't you know it? I won't be wrestling there no more because they can't have wrestling when people are doing that. This was before domestic terrorism basically was a thing. You won't be doing that nowadays, you know what I mean? But well, yeah. But it's that terrible. definitely happened, and then. Made it through that and started back up in 2009. And then, you know, it's it's been a struggle. It's like it's hard to get uh, publicity. Uh, we've done fundraisers for everything you can think of. And, you know, I've heard those deals where if you do charities that the news are supposed to give you uh, free publicity. They won't give us the time of day. They want us to pay for advertising. Basically, you know, I mean, we've even had deals. We're doing cancer fundraisers and the anchors have had, are in the middle of cancer 
on channel 13 and channel 7, still, they don't care. They're not going to say, hey, there's a cancer fundraiser down there. I just mind blown by it. So I've basically been done most of the stuff myself, which, you know, it's, it's not easy. Yeah, tough business. Well, so yeah. what venue do you use now that the Boys and Girls Club isn't there? The last show we had was at a car lot in Auburn, which was nice. We had it, we had it as a the, – the car lot sponsored it. Well, we had some. We had the five most wanted there. Short sleeve Samson. We've had uh, Eric Smalls, the midget, and we had uh, Sin Bodhi was there, and we just basically had it free. Free. Uh, we called it the fan appreciation show. That was the last show we did. Was in two thousand nineteen. Oh, okay. Are your any plans to start back up in twenty twenty uh, or twenty twenty two? Yeah, I'm hoping to. Uh, and then we're hoping to go to Vegas and possibly go against the five most wanted for the uh, Cauliflower Alley Tag Team uh, titles. Since my real school army has two victories against uh, uh, five most wanted. One, Human Tornado beat uh, Sean Casey in, uh, at Heroes and Legends in Indiana. And then, of course, me and Sin beat uh, Sean Casey and Billy Blade in uh, Auburn uh, at the... At the, oh, at say the, hi to Billy Blade for me. I've worked a number of shows with him here in California. He, yeah, he's he's worked a, uh, yeah he, I've worked a bunch of different shows with him and APW, and uh, 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 he might remember Pro Wrestling Iron, so you can run okay. that by him, and he'll probably say, oh, he probably remembers Buddy Satello. It's been, now it's moving on to about 15 years, but... but uh, it's, uh, but he was an interesting guy to, to work with down here in, in California. And I know Gangrel does a lot of show or did, used to do a lot of shows up in the Northwest. I don't know if he worked any shows with him, but he was a really nice guy. And, and I mean, there's just such a strong history that, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm proud to see guys like you still fighting to keep it alive because it would be sad to, to see it kind of die out, you know, because the WWE does not spend a lot of time focusing on the Northwest. It just sort of takes it for granted, in my my humble opinion. Yeah, and I'm, I'm hoping to do, one of my dreams is to do like a big at expo, you know, where uh, I think what I am going to try to do more than just trying to do a regular NGW show with names is to promote, try to get a midget shows uh, going because they seem to draw better. So I got two two people to pull through. Where uh, Short Sleeve Samson has his midget wrestling warriors, and then uh, uh, Billy Blade has his micro uh, micromania wrestlers. So between those two, uh, and then also uh, Short Sleeve's got a show up here in uh, uh, Marysville, Washington. I think it's like next week. It's sold out like immediately. You know yeah. so. This tour is coming to Washington on it's the 19th, I think it is. Do the so, uh, World Series of Midget Wrestling. Exactly. Seriously. That's a yeah. good hook. Yeah. And then so uh, on the expo that I'm dreaming about one day is to do like wrestling, uh, MMA seminars with uh, Stefan Bonner and some other people, hopefully to get maybe Tom Lawler and, and some other people for the MMA seminars. And then I also work with M MMA schools here. Uh, and then also, uh, Stefan Bonner is a, a Golden Glove boxer, 
And there's, there's another, there's a boxing uh, place that I want to work with here called Summit Boxing. So they'll have it wrestling, MMA, boxing. Then I want to have comedy. I want to have the meet and greet, uh, like an expo for like books and, and uh, other celebrities, you know, and stuff like that. And then maybe even like a talent show. So a big type expo. That's one of my dreams is to do that. And then before COVID started, uh, or came on or whatever you call it. Uh, I had a, I was just really close to doing a, a 39 county tour in Washington state. Wow. Uh, trying, that was my goal was that I was going to hit all 39 counties. Wow. And then, uh, ultimately one day I'd love to hit every county in the United States. Of course, like in a five or 10 year period, because I feel these places need that because like when you go to whatever, like Los Angeles County, for example, what I would do is you would have a small group that goes to all, the whole tour. But like when you go to Los Angeles, you would pull from that area. Sure. You know, so that way it's not only I'm just trying to get myself and my deal over. I'm trying to pull all the resources. It gives you more publicity and use the people that are uh, strong in that area. So that's another one of my goals. Let me know when you're headed to Northern California, because I certainly want to help you okay, pull nice. the talent up here. Yes, we've got nice. we've got some good talent still here in NorCal that, that just sort of needs some motivation. And just unfortunately, no one is really working to rally a lot of folks, especially once COVID hit, around any one central wrestling federation. So it's really been a lot of very loosely... Uh, uh, inconsistent uh, indie shows out here. And another thing that I'm really proud of is I love Korea. My girl is Korean. Really? I've been there, I've been there three times. I'm planning on retiring in Korea with her. Okay? My wife's Korean. I yeah, knew that. Too. Yes. Hey, and, huh, huh. and then, you know, film producers there. Exactly. My my, uh, my brother-in-law is a famous Korean actor, Hong Fa Kim. Nice. No, seriously. So, I was really close. My goal there is I want to bring Stefan Bonner and Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan to Korea. And my goal was, before COVID started, I wanted to get a show for the 8th Army. This is my wife, Hong. This, this is... Co Coach Michael Jones. There you go. Hi, he's going to move to Korea. Korean. Oh, yeah. And he's been to Korea three times. Oh. Yeah. Anya, Anya, Haseyo. Oh, Anya, Haseyo. Put your head has... in the camera. <laughs> yes. Anya, Haseyo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Hi, how are you, Jonathan? Yeah. This is for I'm all our Korean listeners. For all our yeah. Korean fan base. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Hangulodu Jogum Hamnida. Oh, Tarasuna, very good. You did very good job. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, he wants he wants to move to Korea. Oh. She'll have to give you some restaurants to go visit. Nice. Okay, thank you. Okay. Enjoy. Yeah. Thank you. So her brother is a very well-known actor, Hang Fa Kim. He did, um, he did, Han, huh, the Terror Live, um, 
he did a lot of big movies over there, Assassination, very well known. Yeah. yeah, yeah we were there two years ago, right before COVID hit. Yeah, I did too. Uh, it was in September then. Yeah, exactly. And then well, we, we planning to go back every year, but you know those are on hold. Well, we'll have to do the show from there. We'll we'll have to have you do the show from Korea. That'd be a first for this show for sure. Yeah, Uh, you can can check. You can check on my NGW Green Room videos. I I did a promo at the uh, down downtown uh, at the fountains downtown in Korea. Wow! Yeah, awesome. Awesome. So I I can share. I can share it on your page on this uh, post for the show. Please, absolutely, absolutely, please. Yeah, so uh, can is there does NGW have any matches that are online that people can watch? Yeah, there is matches on there, yes. Okay, so uh, you, maybe you should tell our fans how they can check it out. You can go to the NGW Green Room on YouTube or Coach Mike Jones. I have my own page at Coach Mike Jones. And then we have uh, hundreds of videos that I've interviewed over 100 wrestlers. Um uh, of course, Jay, Kevin, um, uh, J.J. Dillon, I, uh, Nikolai Volkov, uh, Bushwhacker Luke, uh, uh, let's see. I mean, tons of them. Like I say, they're on the NGW Green Room. And you feel free to send the, any of those guys our way if they ever want to, um, you know, get some coast-to-coast publicity. We're, we're happy to promote them, too. Anyone from NGW is welcome to be on our show as well. Thank you. And plug anything you'd like. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm in a Facebook at Michael D. Jones. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Coach Mike Jones. Um, of course, I got um, my real school army. Uh, and uh, like I say, I'm working on this book. And... Uh, the short stories, and uh, of course, I've got lots of dreams and plans. That I, I want to make this thing go big. You know, I'm definitely, you know, it seems like with COVID, it killed a lot of stuff and a lot of people. I understand that, and it's not a, it's not a pretty thing. But my heart is live and well, and I want to make this thing go all the way. My, I, I want to go to the moon. Well, I've worked at Blue Origin where... Uh, I don't think we get Skype on the moon. You're welcome, I know. We're welcome to try, but yes. I'm not sure we'd be yeah. able to get you if you were on the moon. Now, ironically, I actually worked at Jeff Bezos' rocket plant called Blue Origin here in Kent, Washington. Really? Yes, and then he is going to the moon, and then I don't know if you've seen that he had an auction for someone to go up with him. Well, I have another goal there. Real school army to do the first athletic thing on the moon. And then we're taking lottery for anybody who wants to challenge the real school army to be the first athletic performance on the moon. Can you imagine how big a top rope splash is going to be with below gravity? Like you'd probably (laughs) be able to jump like about 150 feet up in the air before you land on your your opponent so that you're going to need a very high dome for whatever you guys are, are planning there nice yes the guy going the guy going with bezos he bid 28 million dollars and he narrowly beat out buddy satello with that yeah i i okay. was about 38 cents short 
Yeah. Yay! Yes. Next time. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm saving my money for next time to see how it, how it turns out. But uh, uh, it's really been great having you as a guest tonight. Um, we'd love to have you in the future if you, you know, have something new to promote for the show. It would be great. You know, we'd love to, to help you promote it. Um, I really love your attitude on everything. And, and we really wish you the best of luck. Man, it's been such an honor. I really appreciate it. I mean... I admire Evan so much in all the stuff he's does and all Thank the context so Thank you. he's had. And uh, I mean, it's, it's, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. We're grateful you came on. And uh, you, have a, you have a great attitude and charisma. I mean, this past year has been rough. And, you know, we understand, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been rough for you. It's been rough for all, all our guests. And... Uh, but you have such a positive attitude, you can feel it, right, right, buddy? Oh, I agree. And uh, really appreciate you being able to share that with our listeners tonight. So uh, uh, we'll have you on again in the future. And uh, until then, it's been a great show. We'll see everybody uh, next week when we have some more great guests for you. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you, everybody. See everyone next week. Good night. Thanks a million. Thanks a million.